talk about the great problem that exists in the church as I see it. And that is the problem of those who have committed to God and have quit, have gone back, who have defected, who have made promises to the Lord in the past, who, have not, who are no longer walking in the way of the Lord or in the promise they've made. I want to read the 19 verses, the first 19 verses, and then I want to read from the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So you can find that also. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and proclaim in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember concerning you the devotion of your youth, the love of your betrothals, your following after me in the wilderness through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first of his harvest. All who ate of it became guilty. If anybody bothered Israel, they paid for it. Evil came upon them, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, what injustice did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and walked after emptiness and became empty? And they did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and deep darkness, through a land that no one crossed and where no man dwelled? And I brought you into the fruitful land to eat its fruit and its good things. But you came and defiled my land and my inheritance you made an abomination. The priest did not say, Where is the Lord? And those who handle the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that did not profit. Therefore I will yet contend with you, declares the Lord, and with your sons I will contend and for to cross to the crosslands of Kittim and see and send a Kedar and observe closely and see if there has been such a thing as this. You go to the most pagan nation, he said, and you see if they suffer like Judah is going to suffer. Has a nation changed gods when there were not gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this and shudder. Be desolate, declares the Lord, for my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, number one, the fountain of living waters, number two, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that hold no water. Is Israel a slave or is she a home-born servant? Why has she become a prey? The young lions have roared at him. They have roared loudly and they've made his land to waste. His cities have been destroyed without inhabitant. Also the men of Memphis and Taphanes have shaved the crown of your head. Have you not done this to yourself by your forsaking the Lord your God when he led you in the way? But now what are you doing on the road to Egypt? You're going the wrong way, he said. What are you doing on the road to Egypt to drink the waters of the Nile? Or what are you going, doing on the road to Assyria to drink the waters of the Euphrates? This is what will happen. He says, your own wickedness will correct you and your apostasies will reprove you. Know therefore and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God 
and the dread of me is not in you, declares the Lord God of hosts. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden candlesticks says this, I know your deeds, your toil and perseverance, that you cannot endure evil men, you put to the test, those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false. You're totally orthodox, he said. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Not all cases of defection are as notorious are as public as, as these, as this that I've read. But I, um, I suppose that one of the biggest problems that confronts the church today is the problem of defection. It is a source of the deepest kind of uh, sorrow and um, heartbreak to any pastor. I've never been able to get over it and I've never been able to understand it. I suppose in every church that I've ever pastored, one of the deepest heartbreaks is the fact that you have so many people who walk with the Lord who just quit. And uh, somebody will come and tell you, say, well, do you know so-and-so? Yes, I, I've met them or I've seen them in town or whatever. And they'll say, well, there was a time, there was a time when those people, that person, was the most active leader we had in our church. And I've had people say to me, you know, with the deepest kind of um, concern and, um, and uh, remorse that um, I used to walk with the Lord. Something happened along the way and I just got out, I just quit. Judah has long since for, for, forgotten Josiah's revival. You know the story, of course, of course, Josiah found the scroll, the book of the Lord in the temple, and he took that book of the Lord, the scroll, and he made some tremendous um, reformations in the land, some changes. He swept the land clean. And there was this national revival that took place in Judah and people came back to God and to God's house. It was a time of religious, spiritual prosperity. That was a long time ago. And these people forgot Josiah's revival, and they forgot the Lord, and they defected. They just quit. They went back on God. And that's the lament of chapter 2. In verses one through three, God tells what it used to be, what it was like. It's the picture of honeymooners. That's the, the picture he draws. In fact, in another place in Jeremiah, he says, can a bride forget her wedding garment? Of course she couldn't. I mean, that was the one great social event in that time. They didn't have much then, no, no, uh, no ways to celebrate. And, 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 and when they'd get married, that was the event of the community. And, and perhaps the parents of a, of a girl would save for a lifetime for her wedding garment, and it was precious to her. One day I was talking to Ms. Moss. She was telling me about she dug out of her uh, old trunk or closet her wedding gown. She was telling me how 
precious that was and important it was to her. I mean, he says, can a bride forget her wedding garment? Yet you have forgotten me. There was a time when Judah walked with God. He said, you went out after me like a young bride after her lover, after her husband. But in verses four through eight, four through nine, he describes what it is like now. And the picture he draws is not a very pretty picture. He says, you have forsaken me and forgotten me and you've left me and you've done the impossible. You have forgotten your wedding garment and you've turned away from the commitments and the promises and the vows and you've left me. And there is a sob in that. The heart of God is broken in that. And in verse 19, he talks about what it's going to, 18 and 19, he talks about what it's going to be like in the future. He said, you've gone the wrong road. You've, gone the wrong, you've taken the road to Egypt. You're on the wrong path. And the consequences of your defection is going to be that you're going to suffer greatly from it. Now I want to speak tonight to those who are defecting and who are thinking about it. I want to speak to those of you who know those who have defected and who are thinking about it. And I want to talk to you right out of the heart of a pastor who loves his people and his word and in God's word, the problem about the problem of defection. Now there are five principles that we can uh, glean from this chapter concerning defection. And if you have a worksheet, you'll just fill in the blanks. Defection is, and we're going to look at the five principles that always follow, always attend, are a part of the, 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 the sin of forsaking God. Number one, defection does not occur suddenly. It does not occur suddenly. Verses five through seven, the Lord says, what injustice did your fathers find in me? The defection of Judah didn't take place overnight. It went all the way back. It went all the way back a generation. And he's saying this defection, this, this turning, this leaving me began a long time ago and it, was, and it, and it took place over a long period of time, there was this gradual erosion of their commitment to God. Defection never occurs suddenly. It takes place over a long period of time. It's an insidious thing. It, it, it's a kind of an eroding thing. What Inequity did your fathers find in me. And then he says in verse 7, that now, now it's your way. You're following the same path of your fathers. Now I want to just stop. You hold my place, would you, David? Hold my place for me right there because I want to say two things parenthetically from this. They're always rabbits to chase, you know, and uh, I just have to resist it all the time. But I want to chase two rabbits here because it's just... Implicit in this, two things. Number one is this. Your children will follow your example. It's very seldom ever happens that a father defects and breaks his promise to God that his children will not do the same. They follow your example. Um, he said, what injustice, inequity did your fathers find in me? 
you're doing the same thing that your fathers did. It always happens like that. And so Abraham lied to save his neck. And his son Isaac committed the same sin. And Isaac had two sons. One of them was named Esau, and he committed the same sin. It's always true that the sins of the father are visited upon the second and the third generation. Second thing, parenthetically from this, is this. The only excuse that you have that's legitimate for defecting, for forsaking God, is that there is some inequity in him. God said, what fault do you find in me? If you can find some injustice in me, if you can find some inequity in me, you have a right to forsake me, to, to, to defect from me. I was talking to a guy one time in a hospital and he was giving me this lowdown on all the hypocrites in my church. I mean, he was really naming names and naming sins. And, and I, I, I just kind of, you know, put a time out, you know, hold it there. I, and I, I said, you know, nobody feels that any worse than the pastor does when you have hypocrisy uh, in the church. But I said, let me ask you this. What fault do you find in the Lord? He kind of, you know, was taken back a little bit. I said, if you can find any fault in him, then I'll join you in your rejection of him. The only excuse you have that is legitimate for not walking with God is that there is some inequity in Him. Of course you're going to find inequity and injustice and failure and fault in His people. But He said, what fault do you find in me? Now, going back to the place where I was. Defection never occurs suddenly. It's kind of like a slow leak in your tire. You're... you're has that ever happened to you? I mean, I've had those, you know, you, you, you go out in the morning, it's a pretty good morning, you look, it's just a little low, and you think to yourself, must have a slow leak. I'm going to get that sucker fixed, you know, one of these days. And the next day you can tell, maybe it looks a little lower, but it looks about the same. You think, well, maybe it's not a, maybe I'm just imagining it, you know, and you just kind of avoid it and kind of put it off. And then one cold blizzard morning, I mean, the wind's blowing about 80 miles an hour in the snow. You go out and you get in your car and you're late for work and she's just flat as a pancake. There's a slow leak. There's a slow erosion. Let me tell you, that's the way defection occurs. Just little by little, you slip away from God. And there is this erosion just a little bit at a time. Now there's a perfect example of it in the second, in the second book of Samuel. I want you to turn to that. It's the 11th chapter of 2 Samuel. And it's verse 1. And, and it's the story of David's sin. Now, now watch this. We're trying to set the, we're trying to confirm the principle that defection does not occur suddenly. Look at this. It says, then it happened in the spring. Now, if this were a TV uh, show, there'd be, you know, this music would kind of, you know, pick up and it'd be just kind of this ominous sound. Then it happened in the spring. At the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him 
and all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David stayed at Jerusalem. And there's this, there's this ominous prospect of a, you know, of a kind of a laziness here. Look at what it says. Now when evening came, what was David doing? He was lying on his bed, arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. There was this kind of leisure there. It was in the springtime, you know, and he had spring fever. He'd been lying on his bed, and it was warm evening, and he walks out on this roof, and he saw this woman bathing. And you know the rest of the story. There was this momentary, there was this laziness. It was in the springtime, in the evening time. Let me warn you tonight that if there are things in your life, you know, that, that are questionable, if, there's, if they're suspect, if there are things that you kind of allow in your life that, that seem so innocent and yet they, they're contrary to God's word, let me, let me warn you that you're sowing the seeds of, de, of, of deception and of uh, defection. Never occurs suddenly. Secondly, Second principle, verse seven. Defection most often occurs in times of blessing and prosperity. David sinned and he sinned at the zenith of his career. The church at Ephesus left their first love. It was at the time when that church was flourishing it was a glorious time in Ephesus. You read the book of Ephesians and, and, and just discover what the church at Ephesus was like. It was during a time of flourishing prosperity in that church. It was, a, it was at a time when the church was at its glory hour and zenith that they left their first love. It's amazing but defection does not often occur in troublesome times. It seems that, that, that when, in troublesome times, when testing comes, we are purified. But oh, in those times of prosperity, we are most likely to fall. If you turn sometime to the book of Nehemiah, you'll read this warning. It says, and they came into this land and got houses that were full of good things. And they had cisterns that uh, they did not dig. And they had fruit trees were a, a, a plentiful and vineyards. And said they ate and were filled and, and forgot the Lord. Now this is a time of, of tremendous blessing for us. You know, I was just kind of looking back the other day and discovered that this, this year, this church year, we, we, we have had the, the greatest attendance in, in decades. And, and it, it, is, it is astounding the way you people have responded in giving. I mean, four years ago, a $4,000 offering on Sunday was amazing. Now, $20,000 offerings every Sunday? It's astounding, the, the, the flourishing of this church in this moment. And it is the prime time for Satan to do his work. It's the best time. 
and, and the time when you and your families are the closest and the strongest, Satan becomes the most aggressive. Let me warn you that, that, that defection most often occurs in times of blessing and prosperity. Principle number three. Defection flourishes under liberal leadership. Verse 8, look at that. The priests did not say, where is the Lord? Now it was a time in Judah when, when, they, when, when the priests didn't preach. They didn't call the people. They didn't call the people to God. The priests did not sound a trumpet against sin. What we need, someone said, is a, a voice of John the Baptist crying in the modern day wilderness. Why are these people, why are these preachers absent from our pulpits? We don't want preachers like that, to be honest with you. What we want is a guy, you know, what we like are, are, are men who can, uh, you know, can uh, get the grease in the wheels and, and get the administration rolling and, and everybody, you know, feels pretty good about we don't want a guy who stands up on Sunday morning and says, you are the man. You've sinned against God. That's, that's troublesome. And he says that the people who handle the law did not know me. Now, I don't know if I can uh, do a little eisegesis here or not, but it seems to me that what he's saying, that the people who teach the word of God have no walk with me. Now, there's one, it's one thing to be able to teach the Bible, to know the Bible. It's one thing to sit in on, stand up in, on Sunday morning in a Sunday school class and deliver a lesson. It's another thing to walk with God. It's one thing to know about God. It's another thing to know Him. It's one thing to know the scripture. It's another thing to know the author of it. And he said, the problem that's happened in Judah is that the people who are dispensing the word have no walk with me. Let me remind us who, who stand to preach on Sunday, who stand to teach on Sunday, have nothing to say unless we've got it from God. And the most detrimental thing that could ever happen in any fellowship, in any church, is for the people who handle the word not to have a walk with God during the week. I think I'd rather have somebody teach me on Sunday morning. They just come fresh from the Lord. Time of you know fellowship with Him during the week, and 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 stumble through. You know, the presentation of the scripture or the presentation of the lesson than to have some silver-tongued, eloquent speaker, orator, to stand up and teach something and he not come from God. You agree with me? Number four, principle number four. Defection involves two specific sins. The two specific sins are these. It says, you have forsaken me. Now you can couch all you want. You can couch what you're doing or, or um, what you're thinking about doing in any kind of language you want to. But what it what it means to go back on God is that you have forsaken God. It says Judah has forsaken me, departed from me, left me, split. 
Um, if God seems far away from you tonight, it's because you've moved. You've forsaken him. Let, let me ask you, are you as close to God as you were last year or last month or last week? If you're not, who's moved? You've heard me say before, you know, I said last Friday, the guy riding down the street, you know, and his wife sitting over there against the door. He pulled up beside this young couple in a sport car, and he was sitting in her, he, she was sitting in his lap nearly. Just, I mean, it looked like one, one guy with two heads, you know. They were just sitting so close together. And as they went on, the wife said to her husband, Honey, I can remember when we did that. We used to sit like, we, we acted like that. He just kept driving, never did look on his Kind of drove on. He said, I haven't moved. Um, if you're not as close to God as you used to be, guess who moved? Have you forsaken the Lord? And he said, there's a second thing that's happened. You've, you've forsaken the fountain and you've hewn out cisterns. Now I want you to get this picture. This was written in the first place in a time when people, uh, where water was scarce and to find a fountain, what a find. It was a treasure. To, to find a place, what if a guy looked in the backyard of his home and found a fountain just bubbling up? Why well, is a treasure. It wasn't, there weren't fountains, you know, everywhere. And so these guys would go out and, he, and they'd, they'd hew out cisterns. A cistern was a thing that caught the water, that drained off when it rained or as it rained. Now, I, I grew up, when I was a pastor, the first church I pastored out of, out of, out of college, it was, the water was gyp water, and so we had to drink out cisterns. They hauled water out there in a big truck and put it in a cistern. We drank out of that thing. I mean, that, that was pretty bad, but... These cisterns in this time were worse. They just went out and they, 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 the, the, land, the, the, the ground was just solid rock and they just kind of uh, work and, and hew out a little puddle for it, you know, just a little basin kind of a thing. I mean, that, it took days to do that. And these guys would sweat and labor and hew out these cisterns and, and, and catch the water. Sometimes there'd be cracks in them. The water would escape. I, I, I noticed when I was you know, drinking out of cistern in West Texas, when you'd want the, you need, need a drink the worst, it'd be the, it'd be the time when it's dry, you know. It never, never had water when you really needed it, those things. And they'd go out to the cistern and the water'd be gone. And, and this is the picture, he said. You've forsaken the Lord who is a fountain of water and you've labored to, to hew out a cistern that is inadequate and incomplete and is imperfect. And when you need your God the worst, he's not there. What a tragedy. That's what happens when you defect. That's what happens, believer, listen to me, when you forsake the Lord. You labor and you labor for something that's second rate and when you turn to it in an hour of need, it's empty. Principle number five, and I'm through. Defection provides its own consequence. Verse 19 says, your own wickedness will correct you, which means to discipline you. Your own 
your own wickedness will be like a rod on your back. He says, and your apostasies will reprove you. Your, the word reprove is the Hebrew word that means will shake you till your teeth fall out. Your own wickedness will be like a rod on your back and your apostasies will rattle your teeth. Know therefore and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. I believe the most miserable people in the world are the people, are God's people who are outside of God's will. I've never found a backslidden Christian yet who was not paying miserably for his backsliding. God said your sin will have its own consequence in your life. Now it's uh, the way, you know, of being a Christian is hard. I know that and I'll admit that. It's hard to be a Christian. But it's harder not to be a Christian. The scripture says that the way of the transgressor is hard. Now what is the remedy? Look, turn to chapter 3. There's, in verse 12 and 13 you'll find the remedy. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. Return. I will not look upon you in anger, for I am gracious, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your iniquity that you have transgressed against the Lord your God. What is the remedy? The remedy is to turn, to return, to repent. If you've forsaken the Lord, if you've defected, if you've gone back on your promise, return to the promise, return to the Lord. I don't have a magical formula except just come back to God and acknowledge your sin that's the very word that John uses when he says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive our sin. The word means to acknowledge, to agree with God concerning it. I've sinned and I'm coming home. And somebody has a sermon on the prodigal son called The Wandering Lad and the Waiting Dad. If you've wandered away from God, it's time for you to return and acknowledge your sin. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Every time we open your word, there is a new truth. 
there is a reminder, there is a word, there is a, a challenge, there is a proclamation that just keeps on meeting us right at the very point of our life, right where we are, so relevant. Lord, we come back to you. We've left you. We don't love you like we used to. We're not as faithful as we were. God, we confess, we acknowledge our sin and we come back to you, the God of love and the God of mercy. And we rejoice that you'll not be angry with us, that you'll love us and forgive us and heal us. Heal your land and heal your church. Thank you for that great hope and assurance through Jesus Christ our Lord.